You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. Well, it is our final week of habits, and so if you've seen that video now five times, you can just say, thank you, Lord, I never have to watch it again. That's the last time that we're going to show it. And we have been in a series talking about habits beginning the new year out right. And I just want to say thank you for being here this morning. Uh, Even if you did come because the game is later, that's okay. Uh, You made a decision today to get into God's house, uh, and you're demonstrating today that habit of, uh, of being in a place that can help you grow, being in a place where you can connect with God, where you can dig into his word, where you can connect with others. And actually, that's what we're going to talk about today in this final installment of our series. We're going to talk about habits of really building a, a great church, of how we as a family, as the people of God, uh, can truly uh, practice some things that will make a difference, uh, not only in our lives individually, but in the life of this church and then consequently in the life of the community. I don't know about you, but I want to be part of a church that actually makes a difference. I want to be part of a church that if we were to disappear tomorrow, that the community would say something is missing, something is has happened, and we need that which has gone. And, and that's the kind of church I believe that Koinonia is and is called to be, a church that impacts this community and this county, a church that stands for the truth of God's word and that it open-handedly says to the world, we have a, a hope for you. There is hope for you. There is a message of God's goodness for you, and he has that for every single person on the planet. Um, I also want to be a part of a church that's fun right? Don't you? Uh, I, I mean, I want to be a part of church that is a fun family place that, I, that we get to laugh. One of, there's some of the funniest things that I've ever experienced in life that has happened at church. Uh, I mean, there's some things I can't say from the pulpit just because it would be just a little bit embarrassing, just because there's some crazy stuff that happens at church. But I just have two pictures for you this morning. This is some of the crazy stuff. It's not, it's not out of line. I'm not afraid to show you these pictures. The first, this is what happens when you have a habit of coming to church. Every once in a while, people tend to dress in the same way. Do I have that first picture is it here did, did you give it to her where is it there's a picture of, of people wearing the same jackets do we have it oh I thought we had it okay never mind such a great picture such a wonderful moment um, Leslie Candace Chad would you please just come to the stage we're going to reenact this picture for you this morning since we don't have it on the screen we'll just do it live This is how people show up at Koinonia. Apparently when you get, come on, Chad, get over close. Apparently when you get on the same wavelength, you all wear denim jackets. My goodness. All right, get off the stage, guys. Thank you. Thank God I don't own a denim jacket, so there's not that risk. All right, let's talk about. Let's talk about habits. Let's talk about change. Let's do a little review. T- p- pull out, if you would, your uh, some notes, so- something to take notes on. Maybe you brought something to take notes on. Maybe you need to take a blank sheet of paper that's in the seat backs in front of you. Maybe you need to open up the version, uh, your, your Bible app, and there under the events tab, you'll find all the notes for today, and you can actually write additional notes on there. 
And uh, let's just do a little review for the last couple of weeks. So if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you can always go back on our video archive and, and pick it up. And I want to encourage you to do that because this series really is very, very good. And what we've been talking about is how change is difficult. It's not an easy thing, but it's something that can happen. And little changes over a period of time, if we consistently continue to move in the same direction, making good decisions, little things have the power to transform our lives. They have the power to make an impact not only in our lives individually, but in the lives of our family, in the lives of our, our, our community, uh, and, and it can make a difference that will last. Uh, the very first week, we talked about why it's so difficult to change, why habits and good habits in particular are so tough and it's so overwhelming to get into them. Then we talked about how we actually get started in habits and, and, and how we can move forward. That's a very good one. If you missed week two, go back and check it out. Then we talked about how uh, habits are difficult to stop and how we can stop bad habits. And have you noticed that, man, it just seems like those bad habits, they just keep coming back around and it's so tough for us to break that cycle. Uh, last week, we talked about some specific habits that help us make room for God in our lives. Uh, one of those, my favorite one, I think, is scripture before screens uh, and beginning a, just a daily habit of saying, I'm going to refuse that digital device. I'm going to refuse turning on the noise box. Uh, I'm not going to do any of that until I have spent time in the Word of God and actually given my heart and my mind, uh, get, got, getting it into something that actually is the, the most important thing in the universe that will remind me of who I am and what I'm called to be. And like I said, we're going to talk about uh, habits of a church family. Now, everybody we know has the same goals. We've talked about this. All of us really have the same goals. We want to be healthy. We want to build good relationships. We want to have a relationship with God. We want to be a man and woman of God. All of us have those same kind of goals, but we're not often successful in the same way. Some people seem to be able to do it and other people don't. Our, our, our results are very different and that's because our goals, remember this, if you can write it down, if you want, goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. What you do repeatedly over and over is a system. And, and when you build a system in your life, that is actually going to move you down the road to accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish if you build the right kind of system. And successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Now, habits are tough. We know that we, we've shown this picture of uh, the habit loop a number of different times. I think it's such a great picture. And we talked about how if you want to start a habit, then what you want to do is you want to make it obvious and you want to make it easy. And you begin with the, the trigger. That is that thing that reminds you you need to do the thing, right? And so the trigger is the starting point. And the trigger for me, I've talked about how when I wake up in the morning, that's my trigger for making coffee. That, the, now, the trigger is waking up. Making coffee is the routine. And so I wake up, I go to the coffee machine, I make the coffee, and then I receive the reward of that first beautiful, dark, aromatic, wonderfully flavorful, saboroso cup of coffee that I enjoy every morning. Oh, it's such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. And those types of uh, cycles or systems or patterns are what ultimately creates a habit that is reinforced 
over and over again. Now, if you want to break a habit, you have to do just the opposite of making it obvious and making it easy. You actually have to interrupt the cycle. You got to interrupt the trigger and you got to interrupt the routine. You got to do something. Then the second X is well, you got to do something that's actually going to stop those things. So, for example, if you keep sleeping in, we talked about, you know, you hit snooze, you hit snooze, you hit snooze, you hit snooze. What are you going to do? Well, break the trigger. Actually, put your phone or your alarm clock all the way over on the other side of the room so you have to get out of your warm, cozy bed in the morning in order to hit that snooze button. And, it's, and doing that interrupts the whole trigger and it interrupts the routine. And when we do that, we have given ourselves an opportunity to actually introduce something different. We talked about triggers, how our moods and place certain places, certain times, and certain moments and people in particular, people being around them, actually have a major influence and impact on us getting triggered to repeat the cycle. And how oftentimes, if we are effectively removing the trigger, we're going to be able to begin to break the cycle. Let me just give you this verse, and then I'm going to get into the material for today. It's a wonderful verse. Zechariah 4.10 says this, Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Now, here we are, I think we're in the fourth Sunday, or this is the fifth Sunday of January of the new year, and maybe you feel like you haven't made any big strides yet. Maybe you feel like, you know, man, I, I still kind of feel stuck. I feel like maybe I tried a little bit, or maybe you haven't even tried yet. Uh, and I just want to encourage you, little beginnings, don't, don't despise them. Don't discount them. Little movements in the right direction, little decisions to say, I'm, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to move in the right direction. God actually looks at those little things, and he smiles, and he says, there's my child desiring to do what is right, desiring to make some decisions, then he doesn't look and say, man, that's such a lousy little thing that you're doing. That's not the kind of God that we serve. He actually, he says, look at my my, my servant, look at my, uh, my man of God, my woman of God who is desiring to move in a different direction. They're making a small decision. They're saying, I'm going to get up and I'm going to read God's word, even if it's a verse, even if it's a couple of verses. I'm going to spend five minutes in prayer. They're making small movements. In our eyes, our decisions usually are always very small. The success that we have in terms of moving different, it's always so small. And God says, he smiles and he says, keep going. Keep going, son. Keep going, daughter. You can do it. You can see some change in 2022. You can see some things adjust in your life. You're going to set some new patterns in this year. It's not going to happen all at once. It's not going to happen because of one decision. It's going to happen because of one small decision, one day and the next day and the next day. And at the end of the year, you're going to look back and say, man, I am so glad that I decided not to despise little beginnings. I'm so glad that I decided I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. I'm going to keep getting up. I'm going to keep getting up and doing the right thing. So I'm going to talk to you about some small beginnings that will help you build a healthy church. Us as a church family, Koinonia is called as a church to be a certain kind of church. Uh, uh, Koinonia is not, uh, it, it, it does not, um, Koinonia has a purpose. It's not here by accident. It's actually planted and designed by God within this community to carry a certain role. And you as a part of Koinonia, if this is your church home, if you're planted in this place, this means that you have a certain obligation, you have a certain thing that you have to embrace in terms of the identity of the family of God that you are a part of. And if we're going to build a church that's going to make a difference, if we're going to build a church that's going to be world changers, if we're going to build a church where salvation's happening, 
happen week in and week out, where, where lives are transformed, where marriages are repaired, where kids and, and, their, and their moms and dads, their relationships are restored. Uh, if we're going to build that kind of place that sends missionaries and plants churches, then we're going to have to dedicate ourselves to certain things. We're going to have to say, you know what, this is my home. I don't want to hear you say this, Andrew, in your church. No, no, no. If this, this is your church. Right? This is not my church. This is the church of the family of Koinonia who have said, this is the place that I've been planted by God, and I'm going to put roots down here. I'm going to give myself to something that is valuable because churches really carry the hope of the world. Churches are the place that the gospel is delivered. Churches are the place, they're an example of the kingdom of God and what the people of God look like. And so you're a part of Koinonia. How are we going to build this place? How are we going to be involved in this family? Well, I want you to remember, you're, we, as a church, we're a body. You might write that down. I don't think I have it on the screen. We're a body, we're a family, and we're a flock. Those are three images that the scripture teaches us about the nature of the church. Koinonia is a body, right? It, Paul, uh, the apostle Paul describes the church as like a physical body, where a physical body has many different kinds of parts. It has hands and feet, right? It has a nose, it has eyes and ears. And each member, each part of the body is an essential and important function to the body. Not, every, every single part of the body is very important, even though every single part of the body has a different kind of role, has a different kind of responsibility. The ears are for hearing. If you don't have the ears, it's kind of hard to hear, right? And, and, but the ear might say, man, I can't see, and so I'm worthless. And isn't that what we do inside of the body of the church? We say, well, look at that person. They have their so gifted in that arena. They can speak so well, or it seems like they can hear God's voice in this particular way. And we just think, man, but my gift is just doesn't mean anything. I just have this gift over here. And we begin to devalue very quickly the very reason God has put us here in this place. Every person in the body of Koinonia has a place has a ministry, is essential, is important. There are no unimportant ministries within Koinonia. There are no unimportant tasks within this church, right? There's not like, oh, that's the really big thing. No, no, we're not interested in building a church that's about one guy up front speaking and communicating so that other people can come in here. That's not the purpose of Koinonia. The purpose of Koinonia is that every person would discover what their place is and that they would function in their ministry. They'd function in the way that God has designed them. We're a family. We're a family. And as a family, that means we have obligations to one another. I think one of the biggest things about a church, or most challenging things really for us in our culture, is our culture is very consumeristic. And our culture is all about me and what I want. And I go to places because those places give me what I want. I go to certain stores because I like the music, I like what they carry, right? And I like the way that they treat me. I won't go to places where they have crappy music, I'm not supposed to say crappy, where they have bad music, right? Where, where they don't have the kind of clothes that I want or the things that I want to buy and where they treat me bad. I don't go to those places, right? Because I want places and I go to areas where I feel good when I go there. But I want you to know the church is not a place for consumerism. When we're talking about a family and we're talking about a body, we have to, un we have to fight against the thing that we have in our culture where we're going to treat the church as a place where we go only and receive what we want. And this is tough for us. It actually gr it grates against 
our Americanism, our American culture that is always revolving around how I feel and my personal desires. And I just want to tell you, when you're planted in a church, sometimes you go to church not because you feel like it, not because you get all your needs met, not because it's all perfect, because I just want to guarantee you there's going to be times when it ain't all perfect, where you're not going to get all your needs met, where you sit by somebody you don't like very much and they look at you funny. There's things that happen. Have you noticed? Have you noticed church isn't perfect? But have you noticed your family isn't perfect? Have you noticed your body isn't perfect? <laughs> if, if it, the, the idea of the flock, when, when the scripture talks about the church as a flock, there's a lot, the flock's got problems, right? Sheep have problems. And so we know that as we're engaging in this idea and understanding of being the church, that it requires us to embrace something that makes us uncomfortable. It requires us to go into territory that's not always easy because it's not about us. I think we, we, the, the very first thing we do is, is we understand that Jesus came for us, and then he requires us to give everything to him. So he gave everything for us, now we give everything for him. And being a part of the body is part of our embracing what he has called us to be. So let's talk about some of the, the, these habits, some of these responsibilities and obligations that we have. The first one is this, and I want you to write this down, the habit of gathering the habit of gathering. We're here today gathered as a group of people to worship God. We're practicing the habit of gathering. This is what Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This is what Acts 2.46 says, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. The gathering together, as we are today in a, in a corporate setting, is when we, when we get together with other believers who are part of our church family, and we get together for the purpose of community. Now, community, when we gather together, is not just about fellowship, although it's a major part of it. Koinonia, the word, the Greek word actually means fellowship. It's, it speaks of the in-depth sharing of our lives. When we come together corporately, we come together uh, to fellowship with one another and to see each other and to look at each other's face and, and to greet one another. Uh, we, got, we come together for the purpose of worship, corporate worship, which is really important. We come together uh, for the purpose of teaching. We come together for the purpose of service. I, I would say that uh, gathering can be described as a, as a keystone habit in the life of the church. We talked a little bit about keystone habits, but keystone habits are like those habits that when you do that thing, it has effects in other areas of your life. Flossing is a keystone habit. I hate flossing. Uh, but there's something about when you floss, it not only cares for your teeth, but it says something to you about the kind of person that you are, and it has other effects in other areas of your life. Making your bed is a keystone habit, by the way. You, you make your bed, and suddenly you discover, oh, I've done something today. I, I can actually accomplish some things. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a different kind of person, and before you know it, your day is successful because you started off in a certain way. Gathering in the church is a keystone habit. Because when we gather in the church, there's a number of things that happen. When we come together at church, we don't just get together at the front of the service and sing. Now, we call it singing sometimes, but there's, there's, we, we don't just get together just to listen to music. We actually get together for the purpose of corporate worship. 
so that together as we stand in this room, as we did just a few moments ago, and we cry out to God, we're hearing each other sing to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when I look around the room and I see someone singing and praising and lifting up their hands and being engaged, it encourages my worship. And hopefully when you look over at me, I encourage your worship. And you might see me, and if I'm not worshiping, you go, what's going on? Maybe something's wrong. Maybe I need to encourage that person. Maybe I need to, maybe they're down and, and they're out, or maybe they're whatever. But there's something about corporate worship that when we gather together, we're encouraging one another in this thing of, of lifting our praise to God. And I think sometimes a consumer mentality says, well, I come to listen to good music and I'll sing when I feel like it. And I just want to tell you, that's in the most loving way, that's a terrible way to look at, at corporate worship. Right? Because corporate worship is about joining our voices, our hearts, our faith, our worship together to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And there's something that happens as we're together doing that that's greater than just an individual person worshiping. You should worship in your house. You should worship in your car. You should sing in all kinds of places. But when we do that together, something different happens. My kids learn how to worship from looking at your, you. And, and hopefully your kids look at, learn how to worship by looking at me. And, and we do it together. And we encourage one another. And when we look, and so I just want to tell you, in your section, wherever you're sitting, you're the worship leader, right? Don't just wait for Alfred to tell you to sing. Don't just sing when you feel like it. Don't just raise your hands just because somebody else told you. You be the worship leader in your section, wherever it's in the front or the back or the middle, doesn't really matter. You say, I'm going to give my best worship right now because my worship affects those that are around me. And as you lift your voice, you'll find other people going, well, maybe I should sing too, you know, because they're singing. They seem to be really into it. I must be missing out on something. I need to get into this thing. And then we have something that happens. Your worship encourages my worship, and before you know it, we're at a level that we couldn't get to on our own because of the power of the gathering, because of the power of corporate worship. It's the same thing, right, as, you, as we learn the word together, as I teach, or whoever from the pulpit is teaching, there's fresh bread that happens there, there's God's life that flows, and, and there's a discipleship that happens day in and day out as we come into the habit of gathering, but that requires you to keep showing up. Right, That requires you to show up week after week after week. If you actually want to go deeper in the life of the church to be discipled in the word of God, that means you're going to have to actually get enough in you to be discipled. Many people are discipled more by Netflix or YouTube or, or TikTok than they are by their pastor because they spend a lot more time in front of a screen watching random people or what they think about what the word of God says instead of saying, I'm part of a church this is where I'm supposed to be. I better get discipled by what my church is, is teaching. And, but that requires you to consistently get into gathering, get into the life of the corporate gathering of the church. And as you do that, you'll find that there's, there's more than just you showing up. There's actually an encouragement of the body, an encouragement of yourself. And as we look at one another, we begin to understand what's going on. Now, the corporate gathering here on Sunday is just one part of that. There's also the gathering that has to happen in a small group. In a, in, a, in a church of our size, you look around the room, there's lots of people in this room, and my guess is, is you don't know more than maybe 30 or 40 or 50 people. You might not even know that many. And it's pretty difficult for you to spend time getting to know one another in this kind of setting. You need to get into a small group where you're not facing just towards the front, where you're in a circle and you're looking at one another. And suddenly a big church 
get smaller as you begin to engage with other people at a level that is so important for spiritual growth. It's critical. It's essential. So what's your habit of gathering like? How often are your kids in church? How often are they in Sunday school? How often are they being discipled? Is it once a month? Uh, is it once every six weeks? Is it once every when you feel like it? Is it a regular thing? I just want to give honor uh, to some of the men and women who have given their lives to the habit of regular gathering. I was just reflecting on this this last year. Gosh, in the last six months, we have uh, have said goodbye to a number of men who have been a part of my life for decades in this church. I think of Bill Smith. I think of Frank Avitia, I think of Stan Azevedo, we did his funeral just a few days ago. Men who, who decided, I'm going to show up. I'm going to teach my family what it is to worship. No matter how I feel, no matter what's going on in my life, I believe in the habit of gathering because I believe that the church is where I'm planted. And they gave themselves to something. And because of that, this church is what it is today. And it's because of people who decide, this is my home, this is my place, it's not somebody else. It's not somebody else's. I, I'm actually going to own it, and I'm going to teach my family what it is to worship God. So don't do it from the consumer side. Kind of embrace a different kind of habit and say, no, I'm actually doing this from the servant side because this is where I have been planted. All right, number two, you ready for the second one? The habit of service. The habit of service. Galatians 5.13 says this, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Now, service, it's so interesting. Every one of these habits is going to grate against our American individualism and our American uh, sort of consumerism. Because every one of these habits has to do with giving of ourselves and actually killing our, our selfish desires. The habit of service is the habit that Jesus taught us when he gathered the disciples together and he took up the towel and he washed each of their feet. And he said, listen, it doesn't matter who's the greatest among you in terms of education or the, the amount of uh, accomplishments that they have. The greatest actually needs to be your servant. You need to actually understand that the greatest thing that we can do for one another is to serve one another, is to actually get down and say, how can I help you? How can I love you? How can I give to you? And the habit of service as a church is something that we have to embrace. And the reason I don't like service is it, it means I have to wake up when I don't want to wake up. I got to meet, be at a time. I got to usually be at service too early. I got to do things that I don't, I don't want to do. I got to listen to people I don't want to listen to, right? I got to be part of a team and I don't like some of those people on the team. There's all kinds of reasons why we don't like regular service. It's because it grates against our comfort. It grates against the way that we like to do our life. But when you're committed to give week in and week out, you're giving your life to something of value and something of meaning. It makes a difference. It's a habit that has the power to change you. It has the power to change your family. You will discover as you begin to serve regularly, if you're not engaged in serving regularly, you'll begin to discover that it forces you to stretch and to grow in places that you're not necessarily comfortable with. But when you do that in faithfulness to the Lord, then he honors that. And he speaks into you and you find yourself growing. And service is all about giving. So we're here as a church to serve one another and we're here as a church to serve the community. And if we don't understand that, then we might as well close up shop because Jesus came for us and then he sent us. 
And so we're here not just to fellowship with the back of each other's heads, right? Not just for us four and no more. We're actually here to be prepared to go out. We're here to be engaged in serving and giving ourselves. I put this on the screen, I think. A habit of regular service will help kill my self-centeredness and make me look like Jesus. And so if you find yourself a little selfish, if you find yourself, you know, a little comfortable, well, just get in service. Commit to regular service. It'll, it'll grade up against that really, really fast. Serving is where you demonstrate your belief that others matter. It's where you get uncomfortable and you stretch. It's where you learn to give when you don't want to, listen when you'd rather not, and give because you're committed, not because you feel like it. How's your habit of service? I will I'll just say I understand and recognize that this is a season and a time right now when everybody would rather not serve. There, it's, just, it's just so much going on in the world. It's overwhelming. Everybody's fatigued. Everybody's tired. Hey, listen, I hear that. This is also the best time to engage in service. This is the best time for you to, to find out what it's like to give when you don't feel like giving and experience the power of God that will flow into you and through you, giving you strength when you don't think you could do it, to do, helping you do things that you didn't think you could do, and you'll say, wow, it's because God made it possible, and I was dedicating myself to something that was worthwhile. All right, you still with me? You're not going to leave the church, right? All right, number three, the habit of giving, the habit of giving. Now, we've already taken up the offering, so don't worry, all right? I'm not going to take up another offering right now. The habit of giving is important. Second Corinthians chapter 8 says this, and this is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. He says, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. I am not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. Now, I love this because, number one, he's speaking to a church and he's speaking to a church that's doing well, that, that has so many good things about it. Koinonia, you're doing well. What an amazing church, a privilege to serve in this congregation. I love Koinonia. I love your heart. I love the way you serve. I love the way that you're committed uh, to be here in the habit of God in so many different ways. And so, and Paul says, I love what you're doing, but I want to challenge you go to another level. I want to challenge you that there's something else that we can do in our giving that will exemplify the life of God inside of us. And he says, I'm challenging you to excel. I'm challenging you to go to another level, not because I'm forcing you to do it, not to give you a guilt trip, because I'm inviting you into something that can really demonstrate and unlock you in, to release the power that God has inside of you in a way maybe that you haven't experienced before. And, and, and I think this is our heart at Koinonia, and I always want it to be our heart. It's what Pastor Tim did and Pastor Blake and Pastor David, all the pastors before, their heart was always, listen, we're, we're not going to try to force people to give. We're not trying to try to separate people from their money. We want to teach what the scripture says, that there is a gift in giving. And that when you give out of a grateful heart, when you learn how to build the habit of giving, what you're doing is you're expanding your worship. You're expanding your understanding of what it is to be a follower of Christ. Let me just give you three things here, how to grow in giving. Very simple. You might write this down. If you want to grow in giving this morning, maybe you have a regular habit or maybe you don't. Maybe you give every once in a while. Maybe you give regularly. There's a place for you to grow in every area, wherever you're at. How to grow in giving. Level one is this. You give spontaneously. If you, don't, if you never give, just start to give every once in a while. 
You give spontaneously. You give out of an overflow. You get something extra, you give it to the Lord. The second level is to give regularly. If all you've ever done is give spontaneously, give only when, you know, you felt like it or only when you were in church or only when it was convenient, well, the the second level, if you want to grow in giving, is you begin to commit yourself to regular, consistent giving. And and there's something different that happens when you say, I'm going to give X amount of dollars every month, every week, whatever it is. And, of course, we have tools to help us do that these days so easy uh, that that makes that consistent giving. Of course, everybody else uses those tools for everything else. We use them for Netflix. We use them for memberships to the gym. They just automatically go. Every week we have a habit of giving to all the things that we we want. You can build a regular, consistent habit of giving to your church family. And then level three is to give sacrificially. Now, when you give sacrificially, it's when you're stretching yourself into another arena. Now, each of these levels, right, it's they're, they're your decision. This, no one's forcing you to do this. It's an invitation that God has given you to go to another place. And to give sacrificially is simply an invitation. Maybe you have a habit of tithing. Maybe you are a regular giver. And may, but continue to grow in that. My wife and I, a number of years ago, decided that we weren't just going to tithe the minimum, that every year, by God's grace, we were going to continue to sort of increase a little bit more what we gave. Uh, and so now it's been years now that we've given the minimum, and we, and we continue to stretch ourselves, and sometimes it's a stretch. I go, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if I want to write that check this month because we've got some other things going on. But we've discovered that as we have continued to stretch into sacrificial giving, that God meets us in a faithful way, and we, dis- and we discover that our resources go further than they would otherwise, and we've invested more in the kingdom of God than we ever would have imagined. And, and we can say with open hands and smiles on our faces, God is good, and his resources and his supplies are always sufficient to meet every need that we have. And so wherever you're at, I would just say, keep going, keep growing in the habit of giving. Uh, Let me read this. Money is your master or Jesus is your master. You can't serve both. You have to essentially kill one or the other in your heart. And there's nothing better to kill the master of money than to give to the Lord then basically to say, you know what, enemy, you're not in charge of my money. God's in charge of my money. And when we do that, there's power that's released. Number four, write this down, the habit of multiplication. The habit of multiplication. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, the great commission, the statement that Jesus makes, not just to his disciples, he makes it to every disciple that's coming after the 12 disciples that he's speaking to. Therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about the the direction that he has for us to go and to tell other people the good news about Jesus and then to help them grow in the faith. Now, I want to tell you that is very unpopular in our culture today. It's very, very unpopular. In our culture, there's like this attitude that, that it's, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but you shouldn't really try to convince anybody else. That's ridiculous. I just want to tell you, if, if you have the best news in the world, you, you have a responsibility to tell somebody else, right? I mean, it's just foolishness to imagine that if I could save you from problems, from trouble, from death, from, from separation, for, you know, if I could do that, but but I can't tell you, I don't want to convince you because, you know, I just, everybody should believe whatever they, that's just, that's just ridiculous. But because it's so much in our culture, 
it's so difficult for us to share. We, we just almost find ourselves frozen before we begin, doubting that we have the message that the world needs. And, be, and, and we shut our mouth even before we open it because we're so worried that other people are going to be offended by the invitation to hear the good news of the gospel. And I just want you to know we have to change our perspective. We have to change the way we think about this. I want you to know that you can reach people that are unsaved. You can reach people that are unchurched. They're all around you. Some of them are in your family. They're the people that you work with. They're the people that don't know Jesus. They might even think they know about Jesus, but they don't actually know him. And you have a message. You have hope. You have life. You have something that you can offer to them by inviting them into a relationship with Christ. The message that you have is the right message for the right time. This is not a time when we should shut up about the good news that Jesus has. All the world is frustrated, afraid, tired, fatigued. Every system is broken. Everything doesn't work anymore. People are starting to get hopeless. Suicide rates are up. All kinds of things are happening, breaking down, terrible. What better time for you to have confidence in the message that you have of the hope of the gospel, that Jesus has come to save every single person on the planet, that he has a destiny for them and a desire for them. And so you just need to change your mind that people actually around you, that they are being prepared by God to receive what you're going to tell them. That it's not just an accident, that, you, that, that the, the people around you are actually the circumstances, the situations, their life, what's going on around them, the brokenness, the pain, all, all of that is a setup. All of that is a preparation for you to be able to tell them with confidence, hey, I have something that is good news for you. I have something that I can tell you. Let me tell you about someone that has changed my life. Let me tell you someone who has given me hope when I was hopeless. Let me tell you about the life that I have discovered when I didn't think there was any other way, when I was at my wit's end, but there's someone that changed everything for me. Boy, if you just invite people into that, it's so much different than if you start, don't yell at them, just begin to invite them into a relationship with Christ. Number five, because I see that the keyboardist is coming up, and they're about to play the music that signals that the time is up. Pastor, would you please end your message? Let me just, uh, mm, you know. All right, number five, the habit of personal growth. The habit of personal growth. I want you to grow in this church. I don't want you just to come to this church just because it feels good. I don't want you to come to this church just because it's a habit. I want you to understand and embrace the idea that we're moving somewhere. That God is taking us to another place. Maybe you feel in your family, you know, you guys never, you didn't have a lot of education or you didn't accomplish a lot. And so you kind of think, well, things are just going to be the way that they are. I just, no, that's a lie from the enemy. You are designed by God. He has a destiny with you. He has a purpose for you. He wants you to grow. We have a thing that we say at, at Koinonia, it's said in other places as well, that, you know, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. It's okay if you're messed up. It's okay if you're broken. It's okay if you're struggling. It's okay if you're dealing with some terminal tendencies that have come from the past, habits that are, are keeping you in the wrong place. It's, it's okay. God loves you. He accepts you. He sees you. He wants to, you, you to know that you are fully loved by him. But he also wants you to know, come, come over here. There's, there's something more for you. We, we can go to another place. You can overcome some of these things. I'll give you strength to be different. I'll give you strength for newness. I'll, I'll help you overcome those things that maybe your parents couldn't overcome. They handed to you or your brothers and sisters say you could never get out of that. But I want you to know, Jesus wants you to know, there is, in fact, a way out. 
that he has for you something better, that his plans for you are good, that he's got things for you to do, that you're not a worthless person, that you have a purpose. And in this church, we're going to have the habit of growth, that we're designed to be equipped. We're designed to minister. We're designed to find out our giftings that God has given us. Jesus gives every single person gifts and abilities. Maybe you don't know yours, but you need to find them out. We'll help you find them. We'll help you get in service. We'll help you get in ministry. We'll help you grow. And you'll discover, wow, I never thought God could use me. When he starts to use us, it's a powerful and incredible thing. Would you stand to your feet? I guess he got a call. Would you bow your head? (laughs) We hear your call, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Just right now, just begin to speak to the Lord. Lord, we want to be a different kind of church. We want a church to be a part of a church where where our families can grow, our kids can know you, where our teenagers can find freedom and excitement about the things of God, where they're they're not subject to the the way that the culture is speaking to them and the lies that the enemy is speaking to them. We want to be in a church where where marriages are transformed and and people that thought they were about to give up discover that they once again have a, a new lease on their marriage, a new lease on life. We want to be in a place, Lord, that makes a difference that makes a change, would you help us, God, to see what you have planned for us? Would you help us to embrace, Lord, those things that will make a difference in this fellowship? Lord, we want every single person in this community to know your truth. We want every single person, God, in Hanford and in Lemoore and Armona and all of Kings County, that they would know you, Jesus. So use us. Use us as a family. Use us as a church body. Use us, Lord, as a flock that would be alive, empowered, inspired, and anointed. And so, Lord, I pray for every single person that's here in the house, every person that's listening online right now in the name of Jesus. Give us us a commissioning, give us an anointing, give us an ability to step into the things that you have for us. Make Koinonia, Lord, a place of life, a place of salvation, a place of transformation, a place of healing, a place of change. Fill these people with your spirit, God, and send them out. Give them courage for those that today are afraid. They have found themselves hopeless. They have found themselves broken. Today, lift up their spirits, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Let them know of your reality. Heal broken areas in our bodies and in our minds and in our spirits. And in the name of Jesus, empower us to be different. Fill us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at casinghamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.